0: their wisdom and the things they've learned along the way. David Thomason's story is quite remarkable to say the least. From a tragically abusive childhood to a jaw-dropping story of success and achievement, today's Sandro Forte podcast guest is a living, breathing example of how even the greatest of challenges can be overcome. What you're about to hear will leave you questioning whether this could actually be real, whether David Thomas could go from criminal conviction and attempted suicide to motivational speaker and the developing of one of the most powerful memories in history with a whole string of titles to his name, a Guinness Memory World Record Breaker and US Memory Champion, to name just two. So strap yourself in and listen to this. David, welcome to the Sandro Forte podcast. Cheers. Uh, that guy sounds amazing. Who is it?
1: <laughs> well, it's supposed to be you. I know. It just—it's weird, isn't it? When you talk, when you hear people, you just because the thing is, your life is your life. You don't really notice it as you're going through. It's only when other people say no. things that it, it brings it more to, um, you know, you can reflect on it a bit more.
0: Well, that lovely, that lovely accent tells me you're somewhere from the north. So, And I'm asking this is all leading questions, of course, because we know each other. We go back a very, very long way. We'll come on to that in a second and, and what we've done together. But just tell us, if you would, because clearly in the introduction, which is a very important part of your journey, tell us a little bit about where you're from originally and, and how your journey in life, because it is a remarkable one, how that all started.
1: Well, I'm from Halifax, In Yorkshire, and as if that wasn't bad enough to start with, my mother was an alcoholic and and had an issue with drugs as well. And from a very early age, she, she abused me terribly. And her her drinking destroyed a marriage to my father. She remarried a guy who was 65 years old when I was six. His idea of fun was beating me up every night. And by the time I got to 16, everything was going badly wrong. And within a three month period, I attempted suicide twice. I nearly killed a police officer with a nine bar, got involved in crime, got expelled from school and ended up just packing Christmas gifts into a box for a pound an hour. And that's what I was doing because I had no qualifications and I had a criminal conviction. Who wants a guy like that? And that was my that was my early start in life. That was my teenage years. And then at the age of 20, I joined the fire service, became an operational firefighter, and that absolutely changed my life. And really, it saved me because for once, I mean, I'm you know, being a northern working class guy, that was top of the food chain. Everybody loves a fireman. And it was, uh, it was, it was transformational. Um, but it gave me self-respect, and it gave me, it gave me some self-worth because I'd not had that before. But I wasn't very bright, so everybody has a nickname in the fire service. My nickname was Thrombo. This is true, <laughs> which was short for thrombosis, as in a slow-moving clot. <laughs> so somebody, somebody came up with that little gem that stuck, and I kept filling my promotion exams, and then. As you know, I was watching TV one night, saw a guy memorise a pack of playing cards, and I bought his book and taught myself how to improve my memory. Eight months later, fourth in the world, it just went crazy. I came to sunny London, hardly been out of the town, my hometown in my life, and all of a sudden I'm on Simpsons in the Strand competing in memory competitions. It was wild, and since then, it's just been, that was 23 years ago and it just escalated. I came third in the world, did a Guinness record, became US memory champion, got a US green card, lived in New York, left the fire service, started teaching in the fire service, and that's why I became a speaker, because for me, it was the most important thing is that we must share what we know. We go through life and we have amazing experiences, we meet cool people, and we just don't share it enough. People are happy to go on Facebook and share what they had for their tea, that makes you an idiot, personally. That's just my opinion. If you know, if it's not good enough to share with a mate on a Friday night, you shouldn't go on Facebook. That's one of my little laws of the laws of DT's life. And what I find is that, but people don't share the really cool stuff. And yet, you know, when we you know slip off this wonderful life, it's it's not how much money we've make, right? made or right? how big the house is. It's it's the number of people you impact, and that's why I became a speaker.
0: Wow, that is quite a CV. So let's go right the way back then to uh, all the challenges that you had as a child. How do you, was there a moment, was there an epiphany, if you like? Was there, was that, that kind of moment of self reflection, self realization where you thought, right, enough's enough? Or, or did you just, you know, did, did you go down a different path after those attempted suicides? Was, was that the moment where you made a conscious decision or did something else happen? I'm just interested to understand how people get themselves out of such terrible, terribly difficult and challenging situations.
1: When I was six, well, I've I spent a bit of time in pupil referral units. These are places where kids have been expelled six times, five or six times from mainstream school. And I went in and did I did a talk um, to one of the kids in one of these schools. And, and I said, look, when I was 16, I was, it was kicking off. Every time there was a problem in the town, the police came knocking at my door. And I got to, I said, you know what? I just walked away from the crime. And, you know, somebody said, well, why? And I said... Just too much grief. And of course, the teacher sat there going, no, tell him you developed a moral compass. I went, no, there was no moral compass. I just decided it was too much hassle, too much grief, and I could see these kids looking at me. And then a month later, I went back into the same PIU and, and there was this kid, a great lad, six foot two, Dobbin, he was called, he's bounding down the corridor towards me. He's like, Dave, Dave. I went, what, Dobbin? He went, I stopped doing the crime. I said, why? And he went, too much grief and and I learned a lesson there because everybody thinks it's got to be some, some epiphany, some big intervention that it's a teacher at school, that's the kind of that's a, to a certain extent that's the American film type epiphany isn't it but you know for me I was just sat there going you know I can't there's just too much shit flying around and I can't be bothered with it, I just can't be bothered so I stopped doing the crime and that's why I moved on but and, it, and it, you know, it wasn't sat there. There was no lightning bolt. And there's never been that as well. You know, when I got involved in the memory, I saw the guy on TV memorizing the cards. I was like, that's amazing. But I didn't run out and buy his book and go, I can do that. It was months later. I just, I was in Leeds and I thought, maybe I can buy that book. But yeah, back at 16, I walked away from the crime because it was too much grief. And, I, and I, anyway, you instinctively know, I wasn't a stupid kid. And I instinctively knew it was only going to get a whole lot worse. So no massive epiphany, just walked away.
0: Well, you know, one of the reasons I asked you that question it was deliberate because I knew you'd give me that answer. And that leads me nicely on to talk to you a little bit about your style, your personality, because it's very, you don't mind me saying this, we know each other well, so I think I can get away with it. It's very direct. And the way you speak, particularly to audiences, because I've, I've sat in audiences uh, with nothing other than lots of inspiration and, and thoughts in my head. But you are, I think your style is is Designed to unsettle people because you are very, very direct, and I knew you'd give me a very straightforward answer to that last question. Um, do you find that that style is born of your experiences? Do you think it creates greater impact? Um, because you, that's you, kind of like your USP. You're very—you're very, you're one to leave an audience. Uh, I mean, there's no hiding place if you're sat in front of David Thomas, right? Well, absolutely no, absolutely not. I. Well, I'm a Yorkshire guy, right? We say
1: what we mean, mean what we say. It's, it's part of our culture. It's, you, I'm, 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 you know, I'm Yorkshire through and through. And you, you don't get away with it. I was a fireman 11 years. Things were very direct and very harsh on a fire station. You learned how to stand up for yourself. And for me, life is fairly binary. It's just usually two decisions. You know, you either get up at 7 o'clock in the morning or you get up at 5 o'clock and go to the gym. You know, you eat that for your breakfast or you eat that. Life is very binary. And all I say to people, you're a sum total of the decisions you make. Tomorrow, you've got two decisions. What time you get up, you're going to carry on getting up at 7 o'clock and eat Wheato's and go to work, or you're going to get up at 5 o'clock and go to the gym. That's all it is. And, and yet people want to make it more difficult than it is. And so I don't. What I do is I, I don't. I don't go for people. I don't. I don't challenge an audience individually. I just throw ideas across the top of their head. And once they, you know they get it, they really do. I mean, I, I got into trouble with a couple of speakers because one of my opening lines is I, I always wear fancy shirts. So I stand up on stage and I put my hand in the air and I go. Put your hand in the air if you like my shirt. So some people put their hands up and I say, now put your hand up if you think I look a bit of a dick. They all put their hand up and we have a laugh. Then I turn to the audience and I say, I don't care what you think. You're not paying, you're not paying my bills and in an hour, I'm never going to see you again. Why would I care what you think? And speakers have said, you can't tell an audience you don't care what they think. And I go, I just did. And, you know, and then what happens is people come up at the end and they go, you know, when you said that thing about stop worrying about people and, you know, people who mean nothing to you, so, you had me. And so what I do is my, my style is absolutely congruent with how I live my life, but it's also congruent with my business, what I consider to be best business practice because I want to separate an audience I want half of them to to think I'm, I walk on water and I want half of them to th- wouldn't put water on me if I was on fire because the ones <laughs> that think I'm amazing will book me. Mm. So I, interestingly, so it's a, it's I started off with that style, but it's worked out to be a good business strategy because I get raging fans. People book me and they go, you know what? I need you in front of my kids at school. I need you in front of my staff. And people come up to me and they go, the boss comes up to me and he goes, right, Dave, I can't really say this to my staff, but I want you to say it. And I go, tell me, I'll stand up and give him a hard time. I, I don't pick on him; I'm not offensive, but I'll say, look, guys,
0: you're not performing, or whatever. So it works. Yeah, love it. So I, I I'm also going to ask you: Would you consider yourself to have? I mean, you are you're you're an all in guy, right? Everything I know about you, when you <laughs> turn, oh yeah, when. Turn yeah. your mind to something yeah. you really go for it. So you read this book several months after seeing a guy on TV memorize a deck of cards. Yes, but you don't just memorize a deck of cards. Just put into perspective for us what you had, what you did to get your name in the Guinness Book of <laughs> World <laughs> Records. Well, the, what I always say is,
1: that, you know, I have I have um, a picture of the, when I'm talk. I put up a picture of the medals I got from the first memory competition which is 8 months after buying a book and the one thing that i always say really is striking is that before i bought the memory book i could not remember 13 things on a fire extinguisher it's one of the things you had to remember to get promoted in the fire service one 8 months after buying the book i went to that first world memory championships and i could memorize 1300 digits in an hour perfectly and the, the You know, the difference was process and technique and all this of it. But I bought that book and I, and it showed me how to memorize 10 objects forwards and backwards. And I was sat there, I was in a bed set, in Halifax, it's all I could afford. No car, didn't have any cash, I was on a fireman's wage. And, you know, there's a sink in one corner, I and mean, there's a television in another, and then there's a bed and a wardrobe and a sofa in the middle. And I've just done this thing. And it was, that was, that's one of the very, very few perfectly pure Eureka moments I've ever had because I'm like what else is in this book that is genuinely shocking I can memorize I can memorize those 10 things backwards and that was it then I went in and I've always been all in as as you say I'm all or nothing and so I just started going into the book and it just it just got crazy so I immersed myself I was a fireman so I had spare time and no kids at the time. And uh, I just I sat there and practiced hours every day because it's not like going to the gym. You can't go to the gym ten hours a day because that doesn't work. But you can you can memorise stuff ten hours a day if that's what you choose. And then once I knew there was a competition, the well, competitive element kicked in. Uh,
0: so yeah, so then you you you, you end up <laughs> achieving this remarkable stuff. Uh, and and we haven't unfortunately got hours and hours and hours to explore all this. We, we're having to condense this into thirty, unfortunately, very short minutes. But um, on the subject of obsession, and you're either in or you're not, you then decide that you lose a little bit of weight. You know, it would be fair to say that you're carrying a little bit of, you know, excess stuff. Uh, And then you try to lose a bit of weight and you go to the gym. And now the next thing we know, you're, uh, you're training for a bodybuilding competition.
1: Oh, God, yeah. I mean, m- my life has just been obsession all the way through. You know, in my teenage years, uh, I got involved in drugs. In in my 20s, it was alcohol. 30s, it was my food. 43 years old, I'm t- I'm 20 stone. 44-inch waist. I'm, you know, getting the biggest clothes that Marks and Spencers do. You know, I'm a couple of donuts away from them to get my clothes made for me. And <laughs> so I decided to go on a diet. So I'll lose a bit of weight. And then, you know, I, I said, you know, well, that's not enough. So I'm going to get myself a bodybuilding coach. And so I get myself a bodybuilding coach. And he says, right, we're going to get you on, on stage in budget smugglers and 14 gallons of fake time, which you'll need. Because those are those are about the, close to the definition of corned beef legs I've ever seen, being, being fat ginger and from Halifax. And so, yeah, so we said, right, we're going to, we'll go for it. And this was two years ago, and it all was a kind of nice fluffy idea. I'm now three weeks away and completely breaking it but you know i'm i'm eating 1200 calories zero fat zero sugar zero carbs to strip it all back because that's what i do and i'm going to get on stage looking already i look i've got to say i'm i've improved outside i'm very very self aware but i know i'm looking good and i should look great on stage but bodybuilding is the most extreme it's it's way more extreme than the memory stuff, because the memory stuff is just a bit of practice. It's a bit boring and it's just doing it over and over and over again. But to operate like I'm trying to now, this week I've got a talk in London, I'm doing these interviews, I've got, I've been having Skypes all week around the world with people I'm coaching for presentation skills for a big thing in Monaco. I'm going... You know, I've got four talks next week. I've got five the week after. I'm going to Monaco the week after that. I'm I'm flying back the day before the competition, and I'm trying to do all that while training twice a day, four hours a day on 1,200
0: calories. So, yeah, extreme would just about (laughs) describe it, I think. Yeah, in a jaw-dropping way, I I sit there. I'm not particularly obsessed by Facebook, but I have to say most of my time at the moment is spent – catching up with David Thomas in the- <laughs> You sad bastard. As he's pumping iron, uh, and I have to say, you've done... I mean, you and I go back a long way. I've seen that transformation, and I say kudos to you, my friend, because it is absolutely remarkable what you've achieved. However, let's not dwell on your super live figure because you put me to shame. Let's talk a little bit about um, the way you now transform people's lives. What advice would you give to anyone that finds themselves you know, in, at the lowest point of their life, the lowest of the low, believes that life holds no opportunity for them to dis- succeed? Because they're going to say, well, David Thomas has got an obsessive personality. I haven't got one of those. Life is a bit more of a struggle for me. You know, What would you say to somebody who is, is probably holding that belief right now? Well, again,
1: it comes down to a binary choice. The first of two choices is accept massive and complete and utter responsibility. In other words, just map out everything that you're doing that you could change. For example, very simple example, if you're suffering from depression, we understand and we know absolutely that, that exercise will improve your depression or will improve your ability to manage that condition. We know that. So that is then your responsibility to make a member of the gym and go and do some exercise. So first of all, accept responsibility for where you are on some level. But I also understand some people just can't change. And if you can't, then the, the, the other choice is get help. You go out there. I mean, you you find a counsellor, you find a CBT person, you know, cog- cognitive behavioural therapist. You, you know, you, you join a group, there's Facebook groups, do what you need to do. But take action, whatever it is, wherever you are. The only thing that's going to change your current position is taking action. Nobody comes and bangs on your door and gives you what you need to be happier, more successful in life.
0: You are very, um, you you are very eloquent uh, in in everything you say. You have a very a good understanding of what makes people tick and where they need to get to. I guess partly driven by your own experience, David, but you know, also all those years of treading the boards, as it were, what made you decide to become a public speaker? One Minute Fireman, was it that you thought, look, I've got a story to tell, I've got a message to share, and, and that needs to be done? Or was it something else? Because, you know, you kind of, you fell into crime, you fell out of crime, um, you know, you, you made a conscious decision to join the fire service, but that then ended. What led you to to take your message around the world?
1: It came to me, I was a firefighter doing a memory competition, didn't tell anybody, I was doing it in my spare time at home, nobody paid any attention, then all of a sudden I went to the World Memory Champions, came forth and I was on TV. So all the guys at work were like, so what's all this memory stuff? And I said, well, I bought this book and just went to this competition. And they went, well, tell us how to do it then, mate, come on, you know, know, share the love. And I was like, okay. And then what I found is that when that that eureka moment, I can create in somebody else. And that was electrifying because in life, improving your own quality of life is where you start. You do it for yourself, but then you must do it for others. And if you get the chance to share something that is that deep and that powerful, that can just destroy terrible self-beliefs. The number of people who come up to me and go, I've got a bad memory. I go, how bad? And they go, it's the worst in the world. And I go, mate, that's terrible. Seven billion people, yours is the worst. And they go, yeah. And I go, that is a tragedy of epic proportions. You know, I like sarcasm. Doesn't always land on people, but it makes me smile. And it was just one of those things where I taught these guys and they went, you know, this is really good. And then my boss pulled me in and he just went, do you want to do some talks in the fire service? I said, no, I don't. He said, "No, come on with the officers." I said, "Really not with the officers." And he said, I'm gonna kick, I'm, I'm gonna donkey kick you right in the kidneys and get you back up to headquarters. You're gonna start doing some courses." And I did it. And the first day. I was delivering like eight, whatever. I mean, six hours of material. The first 40 minutes I delivered in 20, I was a touch nervous. But at the end of the first day, the deputy chief of West Yorkshire Fire Service came up and shook me and he went, that was great. That was amazing content. And that's when I came to understand that even if I wasn't very good as a speaker, which I wasn't, The material was strong and people wanted it and it changed their lives. Then the motivational stuff kicked in later because people say, well, why did you do the memory stuff? And I said, well, I bought a book. Why did you buy a book? Well, because I didn't do very well at school. Well, why didn't you do very well at school? Why did one or two issues? How bad? Well, this happened. And they go, wow, that's a a tale, mate. You You need to share that. So for me, it started off as being just very simply sharing the memory stuff shattering self-limiting beliefs because the key to self-limiting beliefs is it doesn't matter which one you change it is like a stone in a pond the ripples start to go because people go hang on a minute i thought i had a bad memory but i've just improved it maybe there are other things in my head that i can change as well
0: Mm. now we don't we don't have time on this podcast to uh to twist your arm to give us all these amazing tools and techniques that will help us improve our memories. But my understanding is that one of the techniques is, is you kind of remember this uh, story, you know, and you link uh, different things. You, earlier you referred to it as slightly boring, but I, I guess it has to be reasonably interesting for you to remember it. My my concern is even if, even if I gave myself a story to remember, I forget the story. So, um, you know, what do you say to people who, you know, they, they may be failing exams, really struggling. Some of us have... Amazing abilities to retain information. Some of us, me included, uh, really struggle with that. Is, is there a particular technique that uh, that you could summarise quite quickly that would get people thinking along those lines as to how they might be able to improve their memory? Well, the, the basic principle of improving
1: your memory is imagination. You know, if I give you the word breakfast, what are you thinking of, Sandra?
0: Well, wietos actually, because only because you referred to it earlier.
1: So you're thinking of weetos. You're not thinking of the black word breakfast. You're thinking of Mm Weetos. That's the image in your head. And yet if I go down to W H Smith and I go and buy some study guides for kids at GCSE at 16-year-old, 85% of every page would be black words on a white background. Mm -hmm. The problem with the kids is the information is not being presented in the way that the brain naturally works. That's why mind mapping is the single best thing you could actually learn when it comes to studying. When it comes to memory, it's, it's images. And it's sewing the mm. two together for kids. But for adults, it's about images, yes. But the problem is that the technique you you outline there is a weak start, it is a weak technique. I never teach that. So what I do is I do the one where you place information around a house. That you can do because you can remember the house. Mm. And what you do is you change it into images, pull it around a room, and go around from room to room and pick it up. And so I've taught guys to speak at the Houses of Parliament and coach them to present it front to Lords and MPs and memorise the talk that way and they stand up and nail it, stand up and memorise it all by using that but, technique.
0: But David, if you've got a thousand things to remember, you probably end up going around the house about 10 times. That's where I think I might struggle a little bit. But I, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot more to it than this, but I'm just wondering how the heck you managed to memorise 20 packs of playing cards or whatever it ends up being. Wait, you, you just you just make it bigger. Because, I mean, in
1: 1998, I broke a Guinness record for reciting pi to 22,500 digits. And the way I did it was just massive organization. So I had 45... It lo- does,
0: does beg the question, why?
1: Anyway, <laughs> well, it got me on this podcast, didn't it? You know what I mean? <laughs> It got me to India, where I met you. But, oh, that, absolutely. But the thing is, it, it's, yeah, so what it is, is 45 locations... A uh, hundred stage journey around each location. That's 4,500 stages and then five digits each one. So I've I'm, I'm kind of glossed over it, but it is just down to organisation. I mean, gr- the grind was incredible. F- six hours a day for six months. It took me to learn that number. Six hours a day for six months to get that number. But once I got it, it took me to the Oprah Winfrey show, which is the biggest TV show ever. 200 million people. It's it's. I've had 500 media appearances. I've spoken in. Nowhere near as many countries as you, but I've done, getting, I think, 24 countries now. And it's given me this career. My career's just chucked on through, through recession, after well, depression, after recessions.
0: Well, uh, credit to you. The only reason you're on this podcast, David, is is because I'm hoping Oprah Winfrey might give me a call. But anyway, uh, I've, I've, I've let the cash... <laughs> uh, so how, how can we, you know, I, I'm really interested because you have lived a very full and colorful uh you have got you know hundreds of years worth of experience in a in a 50 year old body so uh how what's the, what's the one thing what, what the, the thing that will help us all to transition from wherever we are right now we're all at different stages in life some some worse than others uh and that, and that's a very much a, a relative thing but but how might we all find that that thing that helps us to move from wherever we are right now to wherever, wherever we want to get to. Well, for me, there, there are it, it's all about one thing.
1: Law of the universe says you're going to some. You know, the universe is going to come along and kick you really hard in the short and curlies every five years. It's going to be your parents die young, you have a disabled child, you have a well. health issue. That you know, all those stuff they happen to everybody all the time and the only reason why anybody at 50 years old can walk around with a smile on their face is because they've learned how to compartmentalise it at the time they are difficult tragic horrendous circumstances but the capacity of the human nature to manage these things is very very high and as as they come along you deal with it at the time you take time out you sort yourself but then metaphorically what I do is I put them in a box and I put that box in a dark room in my head. And sometimes the door blows open and I sit there and have a bit of a a whinge or a whine or a cry and that's fine. But I shut that door, bang it shut. You know why? Because every day, Sandro, I get up and I think this is the most amazing thing in the world life. I travel Mm -hmm. the world. I meet great people and you. And, (laughs) sorry, mate, I had to. It's the law, right? And, Uh,
0: you know, I I I can... It's fantastic, but I'll but I'll but I'll take
1: it. Opportunities mate. Every, every I mean nowadays you can start a business for free on the internet. What a what a time we live in. So yeah. why would anybody get up in the morning and not just adore the life that they they, they can have, even if they don't have it right now? Because yeah. almost almost all doors are available to them. And I appreciate that sometimes people have difficulties with things like depression as we've already mentioned Mental health is becoming the thing isn't it that's going to be the thing for the next century how do we manage mental health when the you know the age when most men um, commit suicide, uh, uh, most men commit suicide is in the 40s it's the biggest killer of men under 45 and and that's that's shocking you can't you can't just pass that pass that off I get it. But the facilities out there and the opportunities to to manage your life in a, in a different way are almost infinite now. And, you know, I just get up every morning and I look out my window and I just think, today's going to be frigging awesome. <laughs> And if it, and I'm going to try my best, you know, if somebody comes along to try to, and tries to mess it up, cause he's all, you know, there's some so proper fuckwits out there and you just, you just bypass them. Just leave them, let, let them get on with it. Don't engage. I mean, one little tip for me with Facebook is I stop consuming. I produce, but I don't consume. People say to me, oh, do you see the thing on Facebook? I go, no, cause I don't go through my feed. It's just full of people who are putting up pictures of the kids. I don't care about anybody else's kids. They're their kids. They're not mine. Like, really, I don't care. I don't care what your kids did. All I care about is my kids. I've got too much going on to sit there and go through my feed. So, and once Mm. you stop doing it, you release an hour a day, and that's two working months a year, consuming crap. So, you know, all the, I mean, it's choices, options. It's very binary. You either consume or you produce or, or, you know, it's your choice.
0: Such a simple mantra, a a mantra which I must pass on to my mum. Nope, nope. Oh, hey, good luck, good luck with that, man. I hope to God she's not listening. Um, and, and I and I do apologise to anyone listening that may have been offended at any of the words that David Thomas has used. But this is what you get with a guy from Halifax, as he says. Well, he's not fat anymore, but um, it, I can certainly attest to the fact he's he's redheaded. Um, so, so apologies if anyone's offended, but you know it's a warts and all podcast, and uh, it's completely live and it's completely unedited. So um, we we'll just have to live with it. Uh, I dare I ask you, David? Dare I ask you this question? What on earth is next?
1: I don't know. Somebody asked me the other day. I, th- I think the bodybuilding is going to stick. Having when I compete in a couple of weeks, in three weeks. <laughs> I'm going to make it something for life, which then will, you know, I want to compete again. I know I will. The competitive instinct will kick in, and and, it, and it's huge, it's time consuming. So that will end up being part of the bedrock of my life moving forward, because I I just believe that if I don't take really very 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 good care of my health, then mm. that's a, a, a slippery slide. Um. After that, I don't know. But something will come along. Um, But it'll just be big. It'll be awesome. But it's quite interesting. I enjoyed doing the memory because it was... Because there are no limits. and, And so I went extreme on that. And now I'm doing something that's physically extreme. And that's quite nice because it's just very, very, very different. Plus at 51 I just thought I was better than I was I thought you know what how hard can a harsh diet be you just go a bit hungry no no it's not that you just (laughs) this is not that you know you're crawling up the wall you forget I'm getting on the wrong train it's just it's an interesting challenge so to, to be fair I don't know but it'll have to be something I'm interested in and passionate about I wouldn't do something for its own sake Plus, I won't do anything dangerous. In my twenties, thirties, even in, even in my early forties, I didn't care. All went at the wall. Didn't care. But now I'm fifty-one. I want to live as long as possible, so I would not do anything like I, I would not bother with Everest or anything of that nature. I wouldn't, um, you know, I won't I wouldn't put myself in harm's way. Well,
0: I'm, I'm thinking about doing that next year, so I think we just scratch that off my list. Anyway, two two quick questions before we go because time is against us, unfortunately, because I could go on talk to you for hours. So, uh, first question is. How do we find out about David Thomas? I, I uh, as I say, I spend far too much time on your Facebook feed finding out <laughs> about what you're doing. But apart from that, social. Uh, how do we find out about David, speaker, and all the other stuff you're doing? Social media links. Where do we find you? Well, I
1: mean, if you go in and put in David Thomas, I, I, I guess you'll find me somewhere on. on- on social media, I post every day. And so that means it's, it's there or thereabouts, but it'll come up on this. I mean, my Twitter feed is CEO presenting 80% of my business now is, um, coaching leaders to present better. And I have a website, the motivation speaker.com.
0: Wow. Thank you. Okay. And finally, since we ask all our guests this and I'm not letting you get away with it, uh, young David Thomas, comes up to you and says, Dad, I'm just about to embark on my journey in life. I prefer not to get into too much trouble and I'd like to just sort of see the path to success or whatever it is I want to achieve. What few words of wisdom would David Thomas Sr., forgive me for using that word, give to David Thomas Jr.?
1: Well. Wow. Uh- I think the first, the most important thing that um, that I've learned, maybe not the most important, but one thing that really impacted me hard was, and this was somebody else's word, and they said it straight to my face. They said, no matter how good or bad something is, it won't last. And I was like, I like that. That really appeals to me. Because when, when we have this amazing euphoric experience, we just kind of want it to last forever. You know, if you make a great sale at work or you have a massive achievement like the bodybuilding... Um, but those things just don't last. And but also, you know, in reverse. Well, not, not in reverse, but certainly on the negative side, you, you know, if you, you know, as Churchill said, if you're going through hell, keep going. And again, that is very important because when you're in the middle of a divorce, when you're in the middle of a, a health issue, when you've got problems with family, you just feel like it's never going to end. But these things, these things don't. And so if you understand that, then it allows you to Plot a middle path. Now, when I say middle path, what I don't mean is be average, beige, vanilla, boring in the middle. You know, that's, I mean, you know, in life, there are 20% of the people who are amazing. There's 20% of people who are in a world of pain and never change. There's 60% of the world are beige, boring and vanilla, right? They just, they're the people who sell you, you know, whatever, you know, they work in the coffee shop. You know, what I call the worthy but dull. Nice people, five yeah. minutes, you've had enough. And so for me, the first thing is, uh, you know it is whatever whatever happens, um, it won't last. Whatever happens, it won't last. The other thing is go for the top. When I got involved in the memory, I decided to push myself right to the top out. I decided to go to the World Memory Championships. Then I did a Guinness record. I didn't do a, I didn't find out what the record was in Halifax. I found a Guinness record. When I decided to go on the Oprah Winfrey show, I sat there and I thought, I want to go on the biggest TV show ever. Do you know how I got on? Emailed the show. <laughs> Literally just emailed it off Oprah.com. I said, my name's Dave. I've done a Guinness record. They came back and said, have you got any footage? I said, yes. I sent them some copy of me on the BBC, actually on Blue Peter back in the day. And they phoned me up and said, yeah, come on, you can come on the show. Just go straight for the top. I got a number one bestselling book. How did I get that? 10 years ago, I found the number one editor in the number one published house and I phoned the reception and said, can I speak to Sally Potter? And they said, who are you? And I said, my name's Dave Thomas. She's expecting me call. Put me straight through. She said, I've no idea who you are. And I said, I don't know what's happened there, love, but while we're on the phone, can I tell you about my book? Six days later, they gave me a hundred thousand quid advance and my book went number one and sold whatever. I've had a million people read my books. I I didn't believe in going... You know, the the apocryphal stories about finding a little publisher and it going viral. Don't waste your time. Go for the top. One, you know, one appearance on Oprah is worth a lifetime's appearances in the Halifax career.
0: And on on that subject, spoken like a true Yorkshireman from Halifax, we're going to have to call it a day that unfortunately... Uh, And there's a lot of listeners out there that are thinking, oh, he's gone five minutes over today. But hopefully, you'll have felt that five minutes were were every bit as worthwhile as the uh, the previous 30. So, David Thomas, uh, great friend, superb speaker. Long may you continue to do all that you've done, uh, helping so many people with well, just a very straightforward um, but awe-inspiring journey uh, to the top. And and as I said, long may this continue uh, in all that you do. Thank you, mate. And in the style of David Thomas, you know the drill, you know where to find us. So until next week, bye for now.